So good morning again, uh, 59th Street family. Welcome those of you who are joining us a little later today. Um, and as we are moving forward in our sermon series, Shema, uh, where we look through various key words of the ancient uh, prayer, today we end up at the most sacred word in the entire prayer, and that is Yahweh. Uh, before we begin, let us actually read together the Shema, uh, which says to us, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. Uh, now today's sermon, I, I will admit, is going to be a little drier than usual. We're going to be talking about grammar and all of that stuff. Um, so it's going to be definitely be a bit more on the teaching side. But hopefully still at the end of it, um, you'll all be able to reach a deeper level of relationship with the God who you worship. The God who you also, we also call Yahweh. So now in English, uh, we actually have a catch-all phrase for any divine being. And so when we usually say the word God, it could mean any divine being that anyone believes in, right? It could be the Allah of Islam, it could be the Vishnu of Hinduism, or it could be all the various Greek and Norse gods that we watch on TV or on Marvel or in movies. Uh, but although the word God refers to all these spiritual, all these divine beings, we know that they are at best superficially similar, but in reality, all of these gods are fundamentally different. And in Hebrew, they also have the same catch-all word for any divine being. And in Hebrew, that is the word Elohim, uh, which is the equivalent of our generic usage of the word God. Uh, so this could be the Elohim of the Babylonians. It could be the Elohim of the Egyptians. And while the word used to describe them is, again, the same, they are, again, at best superficially similar, but fundamentally different. And so when we turn to our passage today in Exodus, uh, we actually see that God, you know, specifically the God of the Israelites, he's about to set himself apart from all the other Elohims. He's going to reveal to Moses who he truly is. And he does this in our passage today by revealing his name. And in Hebrew culture, the idea of a name is actually very important because a name is supposed to symbolize who a person is. Um, so, for example, uh, in Genesis, you have Jacob, whose name literally means someone who steals, someone who supplants. And so what do we see in Jacob's life? He does exactly that. He steals the birthright uh, from his older brother. Or another example, Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. And again, we see that name play out in his life as through his death, he actually brings salvation through the ends of the world. So when we come to today's passage of God's divine name, it's not just something we call God by, but it's actually meant to reveal to us who exactly this God is. So if you'll turn to me, uh, we'll be taking a look at Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be starting at verse 4, and um, we're going to be reading to 17. And we're going to be exploring who this God truly is. What does Yahweh mean? So let's take a look at our passage today. When the Lord saw that he had gone over, oh, sorry, when the Lord saw that he had gone, he, being Moses, had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that uh, this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go assemble the elders of Israel, and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you, and I've seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, if you, if you take a look at the text uh, closely, you'll actually see two words used to describe the Israelite God. Uh, you'll see in your English translation the word God, which is translated as Elohim in Hebrew, uh, but you'll also see the word Lord in all capital letters. And if you ever see the word Lord in all caps, uh, that's actually a hint from the translators that you're looking at God's divine name of Yahweh. So every time you see Lord in all caps, that's actually Yahweh. Um, in Hebrew. So in our passage, we actually see God's name twice. Uh, God reveals his name as Ehye, which means I am or I will be. Uh, but when God actually asks Moses to reveal his name to the Israelites, God tells Moses to say another name. God tells Moses to say Yahweh, which means he is or he will be. Now, there's actually no special difference. There's no special meaning between the two. Um, it's actually just good grammar, and it's just for the sake of clarity, really. Uh, imagine you were the Israelites, and Moses comes to you and you say, Moses, what's the name of our God? And Moses tells to you, I am. You're like, what? You're what, Moses? I don't get it. I am. You're what? So for the sake of clarity, instead of Moses saying, I am, Moses says, he is, or he will be. So when God refers to himself, he always says, Ehye, I am. And when we refer to God, uh, we say, Yahweh, or he is. 
And so coming back to our passage, um, one of the first things we learn about Yahweh is that he is the God of the past, which is our first sermon point today. Uh, we see in verses 6 and 15 that as Yahweh reveals himself, he says that he is the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this is important for us as Christians because it shows that Yahweh does not forget his promises. Yahweh has promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob three things. He's promised them that their uh, future descendants will be his people. He promised them that their future descendants will have a place to live in. And he promised them that their future descendants will live in God's presence. People, place, and presence. Three Ps. And it's only because Yahweh is the God of the past, who does not forget his promises, that we see these promises begin to be fulfilled in the lives of the Israelites. Throughout the passage, God tells Moses that God has indeed seen the misery of my people. And because God has seen the misery of his people, he will bring them to a place, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And how is he going to accomplish this? Through his presence when he says that he himself will come down and rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians. God can only fulfill these threefold promises of people, place, and presence only because Yahweh is a God of the past, a God who remembers his promises and is faithful to them. But not only is Yahweh the God of the past, but Yahweh is also the God of the present which brings us to our second sermon point today. Now, here's actually where things are going to get a little tricky, um, so please, please bear with me. Uh, the name that God presents to Moses in verse 14, uh, which in our translation says, I am who I am, uh, in Hebrew actually says, Ehyeh, Asher, Ehyeh. Um, and Ehyeh is actually a little difficult to translate grammatically, because it can literally mean two different things. Uh, this verb is in the first person singular imperfect. You can just you know, wipe that off your memories real quick. It's just a, a verb tense in Hebrew, which can mean two things. It can either mean something that someone will do in the future, but can also mean an ongoing action in the present. So for example, I will preach, that points to something that will happen in the future. Uh, but it can also mean this, I am preaching something that I'm literally doing right now and will continue to do. So what does this have to do with our passage today, future and ongoing presence? If you look at our passage, there's actually a very interesting and slightly humorous incident between God and Moses. Uh, I want us to look at how many times you see the word I, starting from verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, home the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So in these three verses, we actually, say, we actually see God say, I, five times, or maybe six if you include me. 
And this really highlights to us how important this is to God, about how God is going to make this his own personal commitment to fulfill this plan, to save the Israelites. But now here's the humorous incident, right? God says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Let's take a look at verse 10. So after God tells about all he's going to do, he tells this to Moses. So now, go, you go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And you could probably imagine Moses thinking, God, I I thought you said you were going to be the one who's going to be delivering your people. Isn't, Isn't that your job as their father? Isn't that your plan? What do you mean I have to go now? But the thing is, throughout the entirety of Scripture, the vast majority of God's miracles and God's work actually is through his people, whether that be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Aaron, the judges, the kings, the prophets, and the disciples in the New Testament. God always works through his people to bring salvation into the world. And as Yahweh is going to send Moses to work alongside him, Yahweh actually reassures Moses in verse 12 by saying this. He tells Moses, I will be with you. Now, does this look familiar? Well, hopefully it does. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it, it's actually part of God's divine name. I am who I am. And so what God is literally saying to Moses isn't that I will be with you in the future. God is actually making a pun. He's making a joke with his own name by saying that God himself, the the I am, is with Moses right now, in the present, ongoing. And this is wild on a theological level because, as we have said earlier, that this tense can mean something that's perpetually ongoing. So not only is God with Moses, but God will perpetually be with Moses. And so when we hear God telling us that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, It's not just comforting words. It's not an abstract concept. It's literally the truth that Yahweh is and always will be perpetually with you. The Ehye is with you. He will never leave you. He's not like the Western concept of God where they believe that he has created us and he has forsaken us. He's gone off to vacation. He's left the world to operate on his own. That is not who God is. Our God will not leave us. Our God will not forsake us. Why? Because the Ehye is with us. Our God, Yahweh, is perpetually with us. And so we see that Yahweh is the God of the past. We also see that Yahweh is also the God of the present, the God who is with us right now. But what we'll finally see is that he is also the God of the future, uh, which brings us to our final sermon point today. Uh, if you have your Bibles with me, um, you can actually see, you know, if you look down, there's a, there's a footnote on verse 14, uh, because, like I said earlier, Ehyeh can also mean something that is going to happen in the future as well. So you might see that an alternate divine name, instead of saying, I am who I am, it might actually say, I will be who I will be. And on the surface level, that doesn't seem to make much sense, right? What do you mean, God, that you will be who you will be? And we see this meaning begin to actually unlock for us in verse 15, uh, when God says this to the Israelites. The Lord, Yahweh, he will be. 
Uh, this God is the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He has sent me to you. And the point God is making here is that who he was in the past as the God of their ancestors is who he will continue to be in the future. And so just as God was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the past, God will continue to be faithful in the present, and God will also continue to be faithful in the future. Just as God has blessed the patriarchs in the past, God will continue to do so in the present and in the future. Just as God has chosen to unconditionally love the patriarchs in the past, God will again continue to unconditionally love his children in the present and into the future. And what this shows to us is that God indeed is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God isn't just loving, God is eternally loving, without beginning and without end. And a powerful point that Dr. Mackey, uh, an Old Testament scholar, he brings up is that, unlike the other gods of the ancient Near East during that time, and also, you know, unlike us as humans, God is actually eternally the same. We as humans, uh, we can be loving, but sometimes we aren't. Uh, we as humans, we can be faithful to our promises we make, but Sometimes we forget our promises. Sometimes we might even break our promises as well. We as humans, we are not the same yesterday. We are not the same today. And we will not be the same tomorrow. We are only sometimes loving. We are only sometimes faithful. We are only sometimes kind. But Yahweh is all of those attributes all the time. By nature, God is always loving. He is always just. God is always merciful, always kind, always forgiving, always sympathetic, always listening, and always saving. And this list, you know, you can probably add, you know, another like 500 words to it. And this is why we as Christians, we can have genuine trust in Yahweh because he is always the same and he is never changing. And because of that, we can trust him because he alone is trustworthy and he is always trustworthy. He was trustworthy in the past when he promised Abraham a son. He was trustworthy when he delivered his children from the bondages of Egypt and he was trustworthy when he sought each of you out and found you and called you to be his children. He was faithful to you then and he is continually faithful to you now and into the future. And because Yahweh is the I am and the I will be, we know that he is trustworthy today, tomorrow, and to the furthest reaches of eternity. And for us, that is what the name Yahweh means, a God who is eternally the same, a God who is eternally loving all the time, and a God who is eternally trustworthy. So let us come together in, in prayer today and honestly be thankful that we worship a God such as this, a God who never changes, a God who always seeks to love, who always seeks to save. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you indeed are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We thank you, Lord, that you never change. Uh, we thank you that if we want to find the deepest of love, it is always there. 
when we need forgiveness the most, you are never far. Um, when we need comfort, your hand and your voice are there. Though we may not feel it, we know it as a fact and as a truth. You are unchanging, and because you are, we can fully trust and rely on you. We acknowledge that you have not departed from us. You have heard us from heaven, and you came down. You have sent each of us wonderful mentors, leaders, and pastors. You have brought us comforting words when we least expected it, but when we needed it the most. You have forgiven us when we thought we were unredeemable. And you have loved us with an everlasting love that is without beginning, without end. And so we praise you, Father, who, for who you eternally are, who you eternally will be, and who, also who you eternally was. So let us rejoice in you as you eternally rejoice in us. In your most precious son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you all to...